Hello, everyone. It's Christine Marie Mason, your host for the Rose Woman podcast. And as you know, Rose, for me, is a gentler form of woke. It's a form of blossoming. And it doesn't just apply to people with female bodies, but applies to anybody who's committed to growth. Today on the show, I have the wonderful Casey Baker, who I've known for more than a decade, and who, since I first met her when she was trying out her Woman Speak concept, has gone on to craft a global movement helping women find their most embodied, blossomed, surrendered voices to tell their truths through a program called Woman Speak. So before we get into the episode, I want to drop in with you uh, with a poem by Denise Levertov. She was born in 1923 and she died in 1997 and she's got a beautiful body of work and it seems right on point for today. So let's take a big breath together and drop in. The Metier of Blossoming by Denise Levertov. Fully occupied with growing, that's the amaryllis, growing especially at night, It would take only a bit more patience than I've got to sit keeping watch with it till daylight. The naked eye could register every hour's increase in height, like a child against a barn door, proudly tapping each year's achievement. Steadily up goes each green stem, smooth, matte, traces of reddish purple at the base and almost imperceptible vertical ridges running the length of them. Two robust stems from each bulb, sometimes with sturdy leaves for company, elegant sweeps of blade with rounded points. Aloft the gravid buds, shiny with fullness. One morning and so soon the first flower has opened when you wake, or you catch it poised in a single brief moment of hesitation, and next day another, shy at first like a foal, even a third, a fourth, carried triumphantly at the summit of those strong columns, and each a Juno, calm in brilliance, a maiden giantess in modest splendor. If humans could be that intensely whole, undistracted, unhurried, swift from sheer unswerving impetus, if we could blossom out of ourselves, giving nothing imperfect, withholding nothing. So I don't know about you, but it's pretty rare to be withholding nothing, you know, where you let everything come out, all your beauty, all your inspiration, all your fear, all your anger, you just let it go out uncontained into the world. It actually sounds a little bit risky and a little bit scary to even think that way. But so it is. That is one of the missions that Casey has, uh, and as you'll learn in this amazing and rich conversation with her, drawing out the surrendered, wide-open, powerful message from each person's core knowing is an art, it's a practice, and it's one thing that she's really focused on offering to the world. So I started the episode by asking her for her backstory, like how did Woman Speak come to be born? real origins of it began, well, I mean, the heart of the heart of it began back in my 20s when I was in so much shame and fear of rejection, of sharing this, this voice that was emerging within me. The only thing at that time in my life that I could recognize as what was truly divine. 
And I had such a longing to share my voice, to bring it forward, to speak up, to share my poetry, to to just be seen and to be heard in this real expression of who I was. And I was on total lockdown inside myself. And it was a really deep journey to unlock that. And that, for me, the journey was very much rooted in me actually taking a pretty deep pathway into Taoist and Tantric practices in my 20s and learning energetic practices for how to connect to my feminine energy, this energy from which that voice arose, and how to feel safe, internally safe, to be seen, to experience intimacy with this part of myself, and to reveal myself. And those practices ended up helping me um, back in about 2009, 2010 to step into becoming a performance artist in San Francisco, a a spoken word performance artist. And I began speaking around San Francisco and at these big events. And it was just, it was so incredible and a life-changing time of breakthrough for me. And women started coming to me and saying, can you help me? And I, it wasn't like I was teaching public speaking at the time. That was, it wasn't like, I'm going to start a public speaking business. It was just me, my compassion of like seeing what they were going through, being called forward. And these practices started to emerge that were really unconventional practices, but they worked. They helped women to feel safe in their bodies, to feel in touch with the flow of feminine energy in their bodies, to access the deep knowing in their bodies and to speak from that place and it was incredible what started to happen and word started to spread. And I ended up building like under a personal brand, a company that I began sharing these practices and leading workshops and writing speeches. And then after I had my son in 2013, I had this realization that if I had died in childbirth, um, which I thankfully had a very healthy birth at home, but I mean, you know, for everybody who's, you know, giving, it's just it, birth is whoa. And, uh, and I realized if I died, like all these practices would have died with me. And so that was when the question began to arise, how do I help these practices live on beyond me? And I was in that living inquiry. And then I got this really strong calling to go to Glastonbury. England. And I went and um, for those who don't know, Glastonbury is considered to be like the heart chakra of the planet. It's just a deep, ancient well of spiritual energy. And when I was there, I received this clear download about creating something called Woman Speak and these Woman Speak circles and Girl Speak. And the whole vision appeared. And after that, I just, it was, it was like on fire starting this organization where then I started training women around the world in these practices to lead their own woman speak circles. And that was back in 2016. And now we have leaders all over the world who lead these circles, supporting women in person and also leading virtual circles. Um, And so that's really the heart of what Women Speak is. We help women to find the freedom and the internal safety to speak up from the truth of who they are and to really share the deep wisdom inside. When you're saying there's non-traditional practices and the practices that emerged from you and your, the idea that public speaking could come out of Taoist and tantric self-exploration in and of itself is uh, an interesting twist. But can you speak to more about how your individual performance art and these natural emergent practices are different than what would traditionally be considered public speaking coaching? 
What I see is that a lot of the training that exists in the world today, and there's phenomenal training out there, but most of it has been geared towards a more masculine look and feel of what leadership looks like and feels like. And so the primary base of that that I see is that it's like, how do we relate with the intensity that flows through our body when we get up to speak, which most people experience and have varying degrees of either resistance or acceptance of it. And that relationship to that intensity of the fear of public speaking and the intensity that comes through our body, I think really determines the way we're relating to power inside of our body. Because I recognize that energy as the feeling of our power and more traditional practices will teach to be with that intensity of public speaking, you power stance through it, right? Or you kind of put on a mask and perform through it, you know, or there's this energy you can kind of feel where you can, you know, we kind of see where it's sort of this like commanding the stage, you know, and those are incredible, beautiful in their own right ways of being. But for people who experience as their predominant felt way of experiencing their authentic self is more deeply feminine, that can really shut them down. And they can oftentimes take on the thought, wow, that doesn't feel natural to me. I can't do this. And it turns on an inner conversation of like, what I have to say sucks. I, I, I can't do this. I, you know, a lot of internalized self-doubt as opposed to, well, maybe those practices just aren't the ones that are the most supportive for you and how you are wired. And so what we teach and kind of like the baseline practices is, is that our relationship to that energy, we teach how to open into that intensity of energy, how to soften and open into it, right? And, and that really is the superpower of the feminine is, is surrendering open, which is not a passive thing, but is incredibly strong and soft, and can have fierceness in it. You know, I mean, it's, it's got a whole range. It's not just one way, but how we relate to intensity in our body can determine how safe we feel inside of ourselves. And so that's one big way that we teach women is how to open into that intensity, right? So that there's a, that flow of energy in their body can really flow to come through. The other piece is that our work really recognizes there's a lot of deeply conditioned challenge for women around just ancient inherited conditioning around the voice. And we don't skip that. We talk, we, we deal with it. We talk about it. We inquire into it. We do inner work around it. We do the work of inner liberation work. And so that's partially somatic. That's partially inner work, other types of inner work. Um, but the practices that we teach, uh, the, like how to be with energy on stage, how to ground, how to, all that kind of stuff is, is they're very feminine practices, actually. And what ends up happening is, is that women end up feeling safe in their bodies and deeply radiant. And then what's really needs to be said, that's like held in like the sacred vestiges of deep within their blood and bones in their soul and their body can come through in their essence comes through. So that's a, that's a, like, I think it's a big piece of what we lean into that is separate and distinct of what's taught in other public speaking work. Yeah. I mean, this, what, what's coming to mind for me is when I'm in a deep yoga practice and I'm going into more and more difficult postures, that if I breathe through it and I soften and I don't tense up against it, that there's more access available or even, even sexually or 
in an intense medicine experience that if I just welcome it, that I have, there's so much more potency, but that there has been a defensive, like an armoring, like a character armoring or an emotional armoring that requires a conscious override for me still, even after practicing it. Oh my gosh. And for all of us, I mean, just living in this world. It's, yeah. Ah, 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 the news again, you know, all the things. I mean, that's a big piece of, and I love and that I appreciate what you say. Like one of our core practices is something that's called the caress of the breath. And I was just spinning yesterday, really going deep into this and women that I'm coaching to become coaches of this work and why it, it's so powerful and how to hold space for women in this practice. It can be so profoundly transformative because we know that it's, it's, it's presence but it's also the presence of love that is the great healer. It's the great transformer, right? It's the great melter of the defense and of the conditioning. And, and when you have a woman, like one of our core practices is to have, like when a woman first starts this, we just have her stand in front of a cer- the circle, which is so safe and celebratory. And we'll have her just stand there and not say a word. Mm, just be looked at. And just be with the intensity of the experience of being seen in that moment and and then helping her to use the crest of the breath to find the places of tension in her body in that experience to caress it open with her breath. So we're finding those places defense and we're loving them open with the breath. And what happens is it's like it's like a, it's like the waft of the most beautiful flower, her essence. Ah, starts to come through and you can feel it. It starts to open the space and it's, it's gorgeous. So, you know, I feel like one of the things that I'm really, that I love about this work is I, I feel like we help women to become the kind of women who can stand on any stage or in any room. They don't have to say a word and they can open the room with the power of their presence. Oh, that's so gorgeous. And then what, whatever she says from there is really medicine. We were talking about public speaking in general, like just standing up in front of a group and being looked at. Where does that happen? Judge and jury, you're in the stocks. I mean, there's like a, you're separated from the group and you're addressing the group. So there's like a primal, well, I'll ask you, do you find that there's a primal fear of being looked at? Yes. Just being seen at all. Ah, don't look at me. Look at me. Don't look at me. Yes. I think there's a a deep fear of, of intimacy it can bring up such core things. I mean, just stand and like, you know, the containers that we make for women to do this are so safe. We prime the culture so deeply before a woman ever does that. Right. So just to say, you know, there's enormous focus on psychological and emotional safety in those, those environments, you know, you just stand there, all the things, you know, things that we, we, we mask over all the time. We've been probably masking over since we were really young questions and feelings of like, am I safe? is, am I enough? Do they like me? Am I ugly? Am I, am I going to be rejected? Am I, I mean, all the things that we can build a whole persona around protecting ourselves from ever really having to fully feel or address. But if you walk out on any stage, it's there. But so how can we find that safety inside of ourselves, learn how to create that internal safety and profound love inside of ourselves in that experience 
and then speak from that place. That that's that's just it's 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 a really gorgeous transformation to watch a woman have. It sounds like just going on the stage gives you an opportunity to do it silently to trace the emotional reactivity, the responses, the triggers in yourself, and then that will become an awareness that will feed whatever you do. It also sounds like it would give the audience an opportunity to address the kinds of judgments, filters, preconceived notions, like where does their mind go? Um, and that you're in, in an interesting study of your own bias, even in a silent observation practice. Totally. And that's so true. One of the things that we do with women in the circle who are witnessing her and holding space is we talk really openly before we do that about the things. We, there's something in our culture that's a, a huge pillar of our culture. It's called fertile listening. It's listening for a woman in such a way that she cannot help but blossom in your presence. And we really work on cultivating that listening. It's just as important as our culture is whatever is said. To prime and support women in that, we talk about, I mean, the things that come up between women, the judgments, and and a practice, almost like a meditative practice of noticing when you're looking at another woman, she's speaking or she's standing in front of you, where does your mind go? Do you compare yourself to her? Do you feel less than her? Do you feel better than her? Do you, you know, those, those distinctions that, that come up and we practice something called bear noting, right? So, so it's a Buddhist practice of just noticing without judgment. And so that's a huge part of our practice is that as we unwind that in ourselves, then we start to unwind that how we relate to others, but also to ourselves. I feel like I want you to do that at every conference I've ever attended. Like instruct the audience <laughs> on how to be fucking fertile listeners. You know, oh that's so God. beautiful. Wouldn't that be great? Yes, actually. It would. It would. I mean, because when you listen for someone in that way, you get their best stuff. Yeah. And we were, we're doing a practice over at the Hawaii Project of, we're like, what could we work on as a, a group? Because they do a quarterly theme on attunement. And this quarter, it's being the best listeners on earth. Like listening with your intuition, with your energetic body, uh, listening to your own um, experience, listening to the earth, listening to one another. And, uh, and, and it is true. When you sit down initially in your triad to communicate with someone else, and in that first pass is only silence, looking at each other and observing and feeling yourself being observed and observing. And that takes weeks to, weeks to get through that just being comfortable. So I love, I love that you start there. Thank you so much. So, so then let's talk a little bit about, okay, this seems very feminine to me uh, in, in the structure of women speak, that it went from you being an individual coach or to an organization to now a distributed group of localities where there's dis- empowerment in the, in the circles. So can you talk about that journey? Was that part of the original design? And, and how do you feel that differs in terms of making an impact or, or spreading the word about these things? Oh, I love that you asked this question. I feel really passionate about it because I do feel it is an inherently feminine model. It's community-based. I think that for me, there's been something that has felt so peace-inducing, <laughs> knowing that I'm not holding this alone, that this, this work and this mission, this commitment is, is too important for, to be one person doing it. It needs a village. It needs a community. And I mean, I feel kind of emotional just talking about it because, I mean, there have been moments when in my life in the last seven years where there's been, you know, some challenging things going on in home, my personal life, things I've had to deal with. And just knowing that like, 
I can turn to handle those things and the work goes on around the world. You know, there's other women who are like sisters with me who are bringing this forward in their communities. And that has just felt so incredible. And it's been such a gift to them. You know, we believe that our stand is the same. You know, this work is their work. And though I created the curriculum and the structure and the primary teachings, that it is it is what their deepest stand is. And so it's provided a vehicle where they don't, you know, one of my gifts is as a teacher and I, I, I write curriculum. I mean, that's just one of the things that I do. That's not everybody's jam, but they may share the same stand and the same mission. So they don't have to go and do all of that back-end work. They can just go and be in service with it. And that's been really a gift for so many of these women to be able to, to have this impact and to have this like support around them from the organization to do it. So it's been wonderful. And I've just made the most amazing friends doing it. Of course. I mean, you're, you are a woman, like a, a good sister friend mm. anyway. I saw Lisa Betts, the cause presentation, um, and watched the transformation in her speaking. And like, she was so completely radiant uh, in doing her like aging talk and, I don't know. Yes, women are radiant, and you can feel the support that you give them. So, what's a tr- what's a typical uh, local group look like? I'll give you an example of one uh, one of our leaders, an amazing leader who's been with me since the beginning, Chantal Roloffs. She's in Australia. She's in Brisbane, and so she has both an in person circle that she's been running now for seven years, and um, and she also has a virtual circle. Um, so she's got women from around the world in her virtual circle and she's got women in her local circle and, um, and, and then there have been, you know, women, like I've gone to Australia before COVID, I went to Australia twice, you know, there were circles in Brisbane and circles in, and there still are circles in, um, um, Byron Bay and Sydney. And what happens often is there's these individual circles. And then sometimes the circles, the leaders will get together and do a regional event, and their circles will have their students will get up and give their talks and, and friends and family come and the community comes and it's so special. So that happens um, often with our circles is that a local circle will run a circle. They have a couple different options of how they can lead a circle. They can do an ongoing circle that meets twice per month that goes on for a bit over a year. Um, and then a lot of those people stay in the circle, just keep going with it over and over and doing new talks and deepening their skill. We also give leaders curriculum for a six-week intensive. Um, There's a couple of those, so they could do a shorter form intensive. So that's been really popular, actually, since we introduced that probably like four years ago, five years, four years ago. A lot of leaders love doing that. And and then we have one-day intensives that they can do as well. And then we also provide for them, you know, format and curriculum for doing these friends and family events, which are awesome because that gives their students an opportunity to have something they're preparing for to get up and give their talk. And that just makes it really real and also helps to spread the brand awareness in their community and, you know, help grow their circles. So, so that's kind of the general format. I would say in, um, because of COVID our like the virtual circles, just I mean, everything went to virtual and it just took off the virtual circles. So that was amazing. So now we've been in this process of, you know, still having virtual circles, but moving our leaders back into doing, and so a lot of them are doing in-person, but there's, you know, there's still both, some, a lot of leaders wear both hats. Makes me think of like a piano recital, you know, 
Like you, yes. <laughs> kind of like what, yes. the, or, or what was it with um, Toastmasters International where you would just get up and practice talking in front of a group. Um, and, and that, that was a question I was going to ask you, like, is it more effective for people to have a targeted thing they're preparing for, like a speech they have to give or a work thing they have to give or these practice, um, can it be done without that? But it sounds like you create a way for women who don't have something they're preparing for to work towards. Yes. So the way that we that support our leaders in doing this is that they, in, when they lead an ongoing circle that meets twice a month, as part of that, their, their students are preparing within that to give at least three full-length talks during that year. And they give full-length talks, and then they also give short-form talks. We want them to master the art of, like, they have to give two- to three-minute talks, five-minute talks, and 12-minute talks. And so, you know, I mean, it's just being able to rock up and speak on Instagram in 90 seconds, you know, and deliver something valuable is such an important skill these days. So we help people do that. And then the longer form talks as well. And so they generally will have a date on the calendar if it's in their internal circle that they have to show up and give their talk to their intern to their circle. Um, and then if they do a friends and family event, that's a that's an even bigger deal. So I find that having a some like there is something there is a date on the calendar is really 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 important. Like with my mastermind program, I we help women to write their talks, and then we have a big a big event where we invite everybody from Women Speak around the world to come and hear them give their talks. And it's amazing. But I know from doing this work for years, if, if a woman does, if someone doesn't have a date on the calendar, they, they will talk themselves out of it. And there will be really good reasons. Always. There are always good reasons to step away when you're afraid. That's right. So if you're listening and you have something that you sense is buried deep inside of you that needs to come out, um, and you want to really dive in. I can't recommend enough this beautiful woman and her gorgeous long arc work, like a body of work, like a lifetime body of work now. This is contributing to, on the planet, the voice of women rising. So find Woman Speak, because I'm going to move now into talking about uh, another dimension that I find so fascinating, and that is how your personal embodiment, sensual, sexual, tapping into your womb space, into your sort of vibrating, writhing feminine, something I think you're calling velvet flow, right? How that is tied to your expression and how th what role that plays in your life. Mm, thank you for asking. I, I really love talking about this. I feel really passionate about this because, you know, in, so... In my 20s, I'd mentioned I started learning Taoist and Tantric practices. And that has just always, I mean, since the beginning of me being consciously aware of being on my spiritual path, I've always been drawn towards that. And at that time in my life, I really did lean in, and I have over the years, of the power of connecting to that erotic ecstasy inside and how powerful it is for manifesting, how powerful that is. I have manifested so much in my life by tapping into and coming back to that and the power that was that was amazing but it was not until i had a child as a single mother running a company that i realized that connecting to my sensual sexual energy and learning to move it through my body was the thing that would give me the energy for holding it all so honestly in the last 5 years my practices, my, my spiritual, sexual, sacred practices have gone so much deeper 
and they are also what I rely on for vitality and, and to repair the wound of feeling and, and grasping for love outside of myself. And so they are, they have just, they have been hugely transformational for me, hugely transformational for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can we just pause there? Can we just pause there for a minute on grasping for love outside of yourself? I just want to like, let that land for people. That's such a huge idea. Yeah. Let's just, can you go into that a little bit more? On, on what that transition feels like in your body and what how it rolls out in your life when that shift is made? Well, I feel like it's probably valuable to start a little with energetically and actually in my life, what did it look like before? There's so much like attention and focus in my life on, on securing love outside of myself. Um, romantically, um, whether it was through my marriage or dating, since I was since I since I entered into puberty, it's just always that way, you know. Looking for a relationship, being in relationship, not in relationship, pulling tarot cards to get guidance on finding the one to be in relationship. Just so much energy on securing love outside of myself, and and then and then and then making choices in my life about, and especially when it came to my body, of how I would, like, my relationship to working out or food or uh, my appearance, it kind of being governed, even though I may not have been fully conscious of it, through the lens of, will this get me love? And, and that was also taking so much shape around my expression, my creativity. And so I was really, I'd had a really, I had a, a very significant breakup um, several years ago. And after that breakup, that was when I started getting really serious about, wow, there were places in that relationship where I abandoned what I knew to be true to keep the relationship. And ultimately it came crashing down because that's not sustainable. And I'm so glad I did listen to my intuition and completed the relationship in the end, but that I, it was like a really big thing I had to face of my relationship ultimately to what is true inside of me, not just speaking my truth on some public stage, but can like, who am I in speaking my truth in those intimate private moments of my life and the things that can come up in the nervous system, my nervous system, that all the wiring, right? And, and so so I went on this journey of going so much deeper in my, my sexual, spiritual practices, specifically taking the form of something called feminine Qigong that has just, oh my God, I'm so grateful for this practice in my life. Um, and, and really learning how to connect to my sexual energy and move it through my body to deeply replenish myself, to fill my heart so fully, to... Um, to support and nourish my endocrine system, to help my hormones, you know, to, to connect and deepen my relationship to source energy. Um, and, and what I experienced in being so consistent for, you know, three years in that practice was connecting to this space of not conceptually, but an actual direct experience of wholeness, of feeling so filled with my own love and so happy. And, um, for no reason other than 
being so fully alive and filled with my own love. And from that place, what started to happen was that the, the places where I had kind of been plugged into something outside of myself, needing love outside of myself, sort of the, the, the lie of scarcity, you know, out there, that I got plugged instead into my own source energy. And I feel like that has enabled me to feel more free from the need to please, more free from the need to get approval outside of myself and way more deeply anchored in knowing my truth and feeling the freedom uh, and the fullness to express it in the moment, even in the most challenging circumstances, you know, where like the, the heartstrings are so so tender. Um, and so that's been, that's been really just profound for me. And this piece of like that you were saying about in your most private moments, like if I speak what's true for me, will I still be loved? You don't have to answer that question anymore if your love is coming from inside. Because of course you'll still be loved. Yeah. It's like the question doesn't even have the, the soil anymore to grow. Oof, it's so good. So good. Female Qigong, I've never even heard of that until today. Feminine Qigong. How is it different than regular Qigong? So first of all, it really focuses like on understanding how to take your turn on energy, your sexual energy, and how to really replenish your ovaries with it to really replenish um, your female reproductive organs, right? I think that one of the things that I love about it, because I've practiced Qigong for many years, and experiencing this, it was like, you know, there's some I don't know, there's different percentages I've heard. I'm not sure exactly how you quantify it, but something like 30% more energy that you can get from your sexual energy, right, from your core jing energy. Um, By harnessing that and then moving it through your body, such, it's like tapping into this incredible wellspring of of vitality. You know, I think I think I probably was like many people in our culture. You know, I get real turned on and either then just you know have an orgasm or which is great. I mean, that's amazing too. Um, and just have an, you know have an orgasm or you know get turned on and then want something outside of myself or someone outside of myself, right? But in this practice, it's it's really becoming sovereign and taking your turn on energy and then learning how to circulate that turn on energy through your body. In, in various ways um, and really opening into that flow of, of feminine energy, yin energy in the body and replenishing your, your organs, your endocrine system from it so it can be very energizing. Now I can see how that ties directly back to what you were saying in the beginning around managing the intensity of your body feeling on stage, mm-hmm. you know, and letting it like run through you and course into all of your little pores and emanate out your cells and, you know, right out through your beautiful mouth speaking your authentic truth. So um, I want to ask you now, what's emergent in you now? Like what's coming out? Where do you, what, what's tickling the back of your creative brain? Oh, well, there's, I think, three main things that have just really bubbling for me right now. The first is, is that I am, I'm now teaching feminine Qigong practices, and I'm also bringing back teaching, I taught Tantra before I started my public speaking work, and so I'm bringing that back in, but through a lens of seeing, like, I feel like for the modern day woman who is holding so much, 
I want for women to know that there is an incredible source of energy available to them that they can use for their own, just for themselves, just for themselves, to replenish themselves, to give them incredible energy for all that we're holding. Because it's like the story of our era is like the women who are doing amazing things in the world who have like a side order of autoimmune condition or exhaustion and fatigued and, and all of this. And I've been there. I've struggled with that, you know, had, had really, really struggled with deep energy stuff and hormone stuff. And these practices are incredible and they're available to us. But I think we just have so much encultured shame around talking about sex or sexual energy, all this titillation. And I mean, that's great, but it's like, I just want to help normalize it. <laughs> but we are aligned there. That's my like total mission. You know? <laughs> I think you are. It's so important. It's so important because we're missing out on what will support us so deeply, you know? And so I really want to make this information and these practices more readily available to women to teach, to share, to help expose, to help them go deeper, to really become deeply sovereign in their sexual energy and 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 really own another level of vitality. Like integrated life force energy. Inti- love that. Yes, integrated life force energy. Yes. From, from the ghetto of sexy. Like I, that whole thing has been like sex is in this sort of pelvic basin ghetto and it can't get out and you're freeing it. You're like opening the gates and saying, hey. I love that. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. We kind of put it in the dark Yeah, yeah, room. yeah. Lock it up. You know, just like the, and I love dark rooms of red lights. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, you know, but we can also like, Let's bring it out in the light of day. Let's normalize this. Let's so that's that's a big that's a big piece of what I'm really committed to right now, and I'm, I'm writing a lot. I feel like a lot of my written word has just been flowing so strong for me recently, and I have a lot of desire and creativity around my writings and storytelling. So that's a big piece too. And then for Woman Speak, um, you know, we've been in a time of of real like reevaluating, um, and we've been doing this now for seven years and. And my real commitment at this time is to really look at continued ways to help w- the, this work spread, um, to help make it even more accessible and have, it, have other women be able to have easier access to be able to teach it and lead it in their communities and help other women to get access to this training and support for their voices. That's, that's the, big, the big focus right now is, is making it more accessible, more community. Well, does the writing have a uh, pathway? Are you working on essays, a book, poetry? How is it manifesting? You know, a lot of it has been essays. That's the the shape that most of it has taken. There's also this love story that I've been working on for years that I just am so, I just, it won't leave me alone. It just, it like haunts me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really beautiful. So that is, that's, that continues to, to really, spark my creative fire. Uh, I'm working on um, a, a, a big question right now, which is, how are we related? You know, and I'm wondering, after you've done all this work, which has an invitation to freedom and liberation at its core, acceptance, the free flow of energy, the expression of your authentic truth, do you think there's an emergent cosmology in you of, of how we're related What's an individual? What's the collective? Is that, is that shifting? That's such an incredible question. What, what started me in doing my work supporting women's voices years ago was it really like the moment my dharma set in. And it was a moment. It was a moment. 
of like lightning striking. I mean, it really was like that. I was in the West Bank in Palestine and I have really, really deep beloveds in my life who are Palestinian who live there. One of them is, is uh, my, it's just like my sister. Um, and uh, we've known each other for 17 years. And when I was there for the first time in 2005, it was her sharing about so many of the profound difficulties in her life there that I just busted my heart and mind open to seeing the depth of both my external freedom as an American woman, anything I want to do, I can, and also the depth of my internal imprisonment in my own mind. And recognizing in that moment that, that my work was to free my mind so I could free my voice and that my freedom is intrinsically tied into and connected in the liberation of women everywhere through time. And it was just such a knowing. So there's always been for me this deep sense, sort of this morphing of there's myself, but then there's this like collective oneness in my work that has been the propelling force for me because the compassion has been so deep for years. And now I still feel that so deeply, but I feel like my work at this time, I don't know if this directly answers your question. I think it probably doesn't, but it spins for me from it. It's like, you know, I think for a long time, I felt like a real like responsibility to save the world. <laughs> and I don't feel that anymore. I feel a responsibility to show up and give my gifts and to contribute deeply. And I do hold a vision for what's possible. But what compels and brings me forward now is a shared experience of aliveness. It answers my question perfectly, actually. And it's a, it's a very, it's a common response in this. This is the motion that I'm noticing across many people I've asked the question to. They begin with this idea of the individual being really important and you've got to do it. It's a very sort of masculine, uh, be the leader, like superhero thing. And it merges into the humility of being among and everyone sharing their gifts equally. And because you've been doing the work in uplifting others and really giving them voice, and that's part of your dharma, I imagine that that's um, even an accelerated motion for you, but the restfulness of being among and, and like leaning into each other. Like if we all focus on doing our piece and shining our gifts and doing it in the company of others and not needing to be the special one, then there's actually cumulative life energy enough to make transformation happen. But it, just like your business model, it can't, it's, not, it, it's not sustainable or nourishing when you're holding it alone. Yes, you answered my question. And also, your dharmic story was beautiful. Like this idea that we often serve from the points of our own suffering, because that's the place where we can, as you said, have, more, have the most compassion. Anyway, gorgeous. I love you. I've adored you from the beginning. I adore you even more. Thank you for coming and talking to us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I loved having this time with you. Your questions are amazing. I, I just, it's your, I love seeing this as an aspect of what you're doing, holding these kinds of conversations. So the space you hold. Mm. You know, the, the, the rosebud stuff started out exactly from this idea that like, why is the sexual component hidden? And we use 
by the way, if you're listening to this, I sell those products as a delivery vehicle for the message of no shame. (laughs) Go get it. It's not really about the product. (laughs) Now my secret's out. Yeah, I mean, I love the products. They're beautiful. And we're doing a line of gummies that launches next week. And I'm doing ingestible wellness also. But um, it is really about this liberation theology and particularly targeted at women, although about 30% of the people who listen to the show are men, which I love to see. I love hearing that. Thanks, guys, who listen to the show with a pink tile called The Rose Woman. I love you and your gender neutrality and your acceptance. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks for being part of it. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for the space you're creating and the work that you are doing. Where are they going to find your feminine qigong? Is it at caseybaker.com or is it going to be a separate site? Yeah, you'll be able to find it at caseybaker.com. All right. Have a wonderful and beautiful day. Well, with that kissy face love fest, I just want to extend an additional thanks to Casey Baker, uh, caseybaker.com and Women Speak uh, for their incredible work in the world. If you're looking for some takeaways, I want you to remember what she said about fertile listening. What would it mean to listen in a way that allows other people to blossom? And what would it mean also to free up your own life force energy, uh, not because you want to be in service to others or have better, better sex or be a more productive asset, but just what would it mean to free up your own life force, your prana, your chi, in order to feel better and enjoy your life more and looking for practices to do that. There's some simple ways to do that. I put on a playlist uh, sometimes called like Slinky and just dance around the house, do squats, do hip circles, get the blood moving in there. Rapid fire breathing can do that. And I'm sure if you go find Casey, she'll have many, many tips for you on how to open up and and move energy through your body. Um, So find a circle of people, men, women, who are trying to have their voice be heard, who are crafting their message and join in. Give them space to practice saying what they have to say and give yourself space practicing articulating your deepest message and and, um, being vulnerable, being vulnerable and surrendered to share it uh, so that it can get um, more strengthened with practice. I know everybody has something amazing to say. And then another thing that I'm taking away is this desire to be nested and to uh, let us bear the efforts equally of the things that need to happen on the planet. I'm going to do a mini episode on how are we related uh, based on some of the research that's been coming out of these conversations in a couple of weeks. It's a capstone of some undercurrent of research. So tune in for that. I am so glad that you're listening. It makes such a difference to me. As I said, Listener Score put us in the top 5% worldwide last month. And that's huge because it's like really a validation that the world is interested in this set of topics around embodiment, ecology, spirituality, and activism. You know, how do we make a better world and how do we live together better? Together. You know, be more in field awareness than individual consciousness. So... Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, share all the usual things. And if you'd like to support us uh, by finding products, rosewoman.com is your source for the best in intimate wellness, as well as lifestyle products and books and other things that can support the inner and outer joy and transformation of our embodiment. All right. Be well. All love. All love.